Episode 240, Art vs. Technology. This is the Ericast for the week of May 11, 2014. From Ericast.com. Welcome to the Ericast. Well, thanks for listening to the Ericast. I'm your host, Eric Larson. What we do every week, right up front, we put our listener feedback line, 206-339-3742. It happens to conveniently spell out 206-339-ERIC. Um, over the years of the Ericast, since 2005, uh, it's a little trick that uh, if you realize later on, oh, I really want to call in with some sort of uh, reflection, comment, question, whatever, rather than having to listen and listen and listen for that number, or even go to the ericast.com website, just play it back from the beginning, be patient for just a few seconds, and there, our listener feedback line, 206-339-3742, just appears for you. So, a little bit strange way to uh, to start a podcast, because you don't know who I am, what we're doing here, but uh, it's kind of convenient. Maybe I should roll it into that intro music. Hmm. Anyway, um... You have found the Ericast, uh, what we call a uh, a personal podcast in the majestic we, because it really is just me. But you know, um, the Ericast is big enough to to use a we, right? Uh, a personal podcast because either you know me, Eric Larson, and you want to kind of know what's on my mind. This is one of those, you know, oh yeah, that sounds like Eric that he'd ponder something like that. Or you came here for a particular reason, possibly because you're interested in Michael Monroe, who's who's uh, featured this week. Um, and you, know, you want to know more about the, the topic of music and technology and artistry or Michael himself, etc. So one way or the other, this is not a particular niche podcast. This is not the music technology podcast. That's what this episode's about, but uh, you really have to kind of be inside my head to know what, what's coming any given week. So um, this week's going to be a fun one. So um, I'm going to keep it pretty simple, uh, give you some background, and then... Um, get right into our very brief interview, and I'll explain why it's intentionally very brief. Um, so, spring is, in theory, almost here in Minnesota. It's still cold, so not quite. Um, and with spring, thoughts turn to, to summer and green grass and, and time outside, which reminded me of a concert in the park series that, that we, we have in, in Apple Valley, which is a suburb just south of us. And that got me reminiscing, which then led to this episode. So you have to remember that my formative teen years were spent in Cornucopia, Wisconsin, which is a real place. It's almost a figment of your imagination. If you blink, you miss it. But it, it is actually, it has a little sign that says unincorporated right there on, on Highway 13. It is Wisconsin's northernmost village, um, right on Lake Superior, up by Bayfield, Madeline Island, the Apostle Islands. You might have heard of those. Um our first year there, when my parents bought a, a house and kind of treated it as a, a summer house that kind of grew into a, a longer, longer term thing, uh, was the first year of the Lake Superior Big Top Chautauqua. Um, if you're sort of a, an artistry geek, that'll ring a bell. I'm proud to say that apparently, I, I, we heard this right from their treasurer, that my dad's little contribution of, you know, $10 or whatever, was like the first check that they received when he read about it in the paper and said, that's a good idea, I'll send them some money. Um, and we'll talk about that some other episode, about the fact that, that Warren Nelson had this vision to pitch a tent on a ski hill, which of course is not used in the summer, it's a great location, um, not much summer skiing up there, they do have summer, there is no snow on the ground. Um and so right now it's in how many years has it been since then? I mean, that's like 30 years since 
they get some pretty big names coming through. It's some, some pretty big acts. Ticket prices are, are, are pretty, um, pretty steep in my world. But back then, um, you know, five, six bucks a ticket and they had, uh, uh, plays and dramas and musicals and things. And they had a house band. And one of the members of the house band was a man named Bruce Bowers. Bruce Bowers played flute and violin and did what I just thought was spectacular, not simply because it was done on a Commodore SX-64, but he did this this MIDI looping thing where he'd play a part and then that would just keep going and he'd play another part over it, you know, that sort of thing. And I just thought that was, that was so cool. Um, it was really good music and really pretty, et cetera. And this technology thing kind of, you know, keeping, keeping, keeping that possible, keeping it alive. Okay. So that's rattling around in my brain, right? Fast forward probably 25 years after that. And somehow, I don't remember how this all wove together, but uh, it involved Thomas Canyon, longtime Aircast listeners will remember that uh, name of my coworker, um, who used to appear on an episode or two. And somehow, the two of us figured out that a man named Michael Monroe was going to be performing in in Apple Valley. Um, and Michael Monroe, in addition to um, having the the most pleasant Bob Ross voice. Uh, and if you don't remember PBS painting um, with Bob Ross in the 80s, that's, that's something you'll have to go to YouTube and find. Um, is a musician, plays flute and guitar, and does MIDI looping. Like, wow! And of course, you know, art being what it is, and artists and musicians are obviously different, but still, this, you know, all these, all these Bruce Bowers memories came flooding back because it's the same uh, the same sort of the same sort of thing. Um, so I it, it, you, so you have to go to Michael's site. Um, it's michaelmonroemusic.com um, because there are other Michael Monroes out there. I'll link to that at ericast.com or you can just go straight there. Um, and so so that you hear for yourself what what it is that that he does. I've kind of given you a, a taste or a context or whatever, but that's so that's Michael Monroe. Um, and every every year since we've gone to his uh, his concert down there, um, and it's just it's it's just really fun. So that's cool. But what you've come to expect from the Eracast is something sort of multi layered in in any given episode, and this episode is is no different. So here's here's where we're going with this. Okay. Um, in addition to thinking about that. I've been thinking about interview podcasts. If you listen to Cliff, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft and folks, there's been some talk about those and whether they're good or not or whatever. Um, but I've, I've realized that people go through a lot of effort to record a full interview and then a lot more effort to try and edit the interview down to something that's sort of tolerable, right? So what if you could take the, the spirit of Twitter and apply it to an interview? See, because I jumped on Twitter really, really early when it was this, this new geeky thing because I immediately latched on to the idea of, of the discipline of having one concise thought in 140 characters or less. Um, you know, why use one word when 10 will do the trick? You know, that is kind of what I, I, I default to. And so that was a, a really good practice for me to, to be able to just concisely convey things. Well, in the context of an interview, what if you could get your your engagement with with a person down to one question, right? Um, 
the long conversation might be really interesting, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But on the opposite extreme, what if you could just ask one question and get an answer back, right? And once you get it down to one question, what if you could do that asynchronously so you don't have to have a live, you know, asking of the question? Just put the question out there and say, go ahead and give me an answer back. In, in, in your timeline, at your convenience, um, we're not going to banter back and forth. Here's a question. Would you like to answer? And, and there you go. Now, that could go really poorly, of course, but we're fond of paraphrasing G.K. Chesterton, who said, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing badly, which is not to celebrate incompetence, but to say, you know, give it a shot, because the the poorly done interview or poorly asked question, uh, I would argue, is is better than the question left unasked. There's probably some very Zen-like um way of phrasing that, that's that if I had taken much more time to research, I could probably give you that. But instead, I'll just trust you to call in 206-339-3742 and, and give me a better summary of that or something. You know, it's a little podcast community here, right? So that's the idea. Now, you might say, oh, no, but the person might say no. Well, that's true, but the person might say yes. So why not try? All right. So that's that's what that's that was. I decided after thinking this for years, I literally like from that first Michael Monroe concert that I went to and thinking, you know, I should bring a portable recorder and I could grab him after the concert and ask and about the whatever, you know, and I, of course I never did. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to stop thinking. I'm going to start doing. And I emailed Michael a question. Um, and it turns out that Michael was incredibly gracious and said, great question. I'd be happy to answer. Um, I said he could call or like, you know, send an MP3 or whatever was convenient to him at his, at, you know, whatever time worked for him. Um, he called our listener feedback line, the same one that you can call. Um, and, and there you go. Now, if we weren't so transparent about things here at the Aircast, um, just kind of a peek behind the curtain of how podcasts are edited, you could actually edit this and set this up as if it were like a live, you know, Q&A type session, you know, hey, Michael, welcome to the Aircast. But um, that's not how we roll here. So so I'm giving you all the backstory on how this is done, um, because part of that multi-layer thing is um, podcasting. You can do it too. Let's all work together. The more people having more conversation, the better off society is, right? So... If you wanted to do this, you could do exactly this technique uh, and just with a little bit more work, set it up in a way that's a little bit less jarring um, than, than this awkward introductory conversation. But the awkward introduction is kind of part of the way the Aircast does things. So that's that's the background. Now you know the scoop. So you're thinking, great, but it's been, you know, 11 minutes into the podcast. What is the question, Eric? Well, the question came from my instructional technology background. You know, I'm a, I'm a geek, but I'm a geek in, that's not an extreme geek, less extreme every year, and always in this, this, this education background. So I'm always thinking in terms of teaching with technology, where it's, it's about the teaching, not about the technology, but, um, the technology is still there and it's, it is kind of cool. You know, I've, I've got, I've got shades of shiny object syndrome. Um, I kind of live in a space of, of solutions in search of problems. 
but they are actively like in search of problems. You see a technology and say, oh, how could that be applied somewhere rather than just saying, oh, that's cool. But there is a cool element. So, you know, there's, there's always that, that balance. So thinking about Michael Monroe's music and the, um, how technologically driven it is, and you need a lot of technology running to be able to do the looping he's doing, to be able to convert a guitar into a MIDI instrument. Um, you know, that, there's a lot of tech there. So what I asked him, you know, agreeing and, and framing it, that I, I realized it was setting up something of a false dichotomy, but for the sake of, of simplicity in the question, what I asked Michael Monroe was, do you consider yourself a musician who sees technology as a means to the end of creating your art, or a technologist who embraces the technology as a medium that's integral to, or or perhaps even more fundamental than your music? Great question. I would definitely, short answer, say that I'm a musician who enjoys using technology uh, as a means to an end of creating music. Um, and the word technology, I mean, I could get long-winded about this, but even a string on a piece of wood to make a guitar or a, a piece of bamboo with holes in it, that's technology. It seems to me anything beyond singing would be using technology to make music. And I started out basically just with guitar and voice, but as soon as I noticed that how you sound out there with a PA is half of what is coming across, I really got into the technology of sound reinforcement and made it the point to have my own really good-sounding PA. And then from there, I mean, you can go forever into stuff. And then I found um, the guitar synthesizer, which... Um, is a way to, with my guitar, access other sounds like drums and bass and strings and keyboards and steel drums and all, uh, any of thousands of instruments. And I enjoyed that, incorporating it with live looping. And I have my own uh, boundaries as far as where I'd like to draw the line with technology. I don't like to use, and I don't use pre-recorded backups. That's why I prefer the live looping, because... I enjoy seeing someone perform music and create music, not play something back that they've, uh, even if they've made all the backup tracks, I, I would rather see them create it live. And I prefer when I'm out there performing doing that. I tried using a backup track uh, that I made that just sounded perfect because I was able in the studio to make it, uh, fine tune it so that it was just right. And I did that for a couple of weeks and, and really got bored with myself because it was the same track every time I played that song. And with live looping, uh, you're open to uh, the possibility of creating something different with each song or a mistake that leads to another fun idea. Um, and that way, every night, it's a little bit different. So I embrace the technology, uh, and especially in the in the recording side of it, too, because I have my own Pro Tools studio where I can take the time when I'm making a CD to uh, create the uh, tracks just the way I want them. And uh, I mean, technology is awesome. I love it. Uh, but I definitely will go with the uh, first half that I'm a musician who loves using technology. Technology can be used as an instrument, and that's how I've liked using it, um, because it does take a certain technique. Uh, with the guitar synthesizer, you have to uh, learn how to play it so that it sounds like the instrument that you're uh, approaching. 
So I've I've always saw technology, seen technology as another instrument to make music with. So thanks to Michael for a great answer, um, which has really gotten me thinking because I've been pondering uh, you know, lecture capture, recorded lectures. Uh, you know, do you do a? You know, we we spend a lot of effort on live presentations based off of like a PowerPoint deck or something, and then the thought of well, why don't you just record you yourself walking through that slide deck and then throw it out there for your students. And then there's that question, no, but there's a certain something about, you know, being there with the students. It really is, is um, instructors talking about a, a performance, a live performance. They've never used those terms, but uh, so, so I hear exactly that conversation coming through in Michael's voice and then technologies or, or tools as, as an even, you know, a more basic description of, you know, what are you doing to reinforce what you're trying to convey? Um, be it a, um, you know, musical artistry or some sort of live conveyance of, um, instructional information, but beyond mere information, um, Information is is cheap and easy now compared to a hundred years ago. So you don't need um, a performance to to convey facts, which means the role of an instructor is uh, something one or two levels deeper. Um, so I I think it's great. Thank you um, so much, Michael, um, for answering that question. And um, just to prove to you guys, you're thinking, well, okay, how's this whole one one question recorded thing work? Really, you know, can that uh, um, can that work? I, it can really be made seamless and seem live, you know. Um, Michael, do you have anything to add? Just another note, if uh, anyone wants to see how I'm doing what I'm doing or how what I'm doing, you can go to my website, michaelmonroemusic.com. I also have YouTubes where I demonstrate the live looping and the guitar synthesizer. If you look for Michael Monroe, M-I-N-N on YouTube, M-I-N-N as in Minnesota, You'll get me. There's another Michael Monroe out there who's a rock and roller. I don't. I don't think he uh, does any looping or guitar synthing, but um, you can see those YouTubes and my website there, and uh, see what I'm doing. So, um, first of all, to you, the listener, I would highly recommend that you do that. Um, and also, yeah, we're having a little bit of fun there. That um, if we if we wanted to do more editing, just to prove the point. Um, yeah, I, I trim the end of the voicemail off where Michael says thank you. I could say, "Hey, Michael, thanks for the interview," and he'd say, "Thank you." I mean, you you can you can do that. There's there's a um, there's a technique yeah, typically seen in uh, TV news interviews. Think like sixty minutes, that sort of thing, called a shot reverse shot, where you shoot your um, your subject. You sit down, you interview the subject with a single camera. Um, and you record the full interview, and then after that's done, uh, you let them go and say thank you, and then you move the camera around and do the reverse shot, recording the interviewer re-asking the questions, um, you know, nodding, etc. cetera, uh, because you need that cover video in um, in video. In audio, you can make all sorts of edits and people won't know, but in video, the head would be jumping around and stuff. So whenever you see that reverse shot where the interviewer is sort of nodding or, or, or looking quizzical or whatever, listen carefully and that might be, it might be their covering an edit. But point being, um, you can do that equivalent thing in audio here. Uh, 
just sim- simply mentioning here to to make the point of this whole one question asynchronous interview thing um and it, you might not be doing a podcast you might be one of my faculty thinking about oh could i record uh one of my colleagues at another institution you know answering a question or two about this topic for my students uh, there are lots of ways to do this and and um either be completely transparent about it or make it seem uh really quite natural um as a as a conversational element um there's a whole nother podcast episode that we could talk about the ethics of doing that because you once once you start editing you can end up you you <laughs> you need to edit benevolently um in my in my video production days i i always used to say that uh my goal was to have the the subjects view the video and say you know Wow, that that worked out really well. I, I felt like I stumbled over some stuff. I didn't think I was that clear, and and sort of know in the back of your mind, yeah, you weren't that clear. But we edited you to say what you meant to say, not what you actually said. Um, again, there there are some ethics to that. So that's a, that's a topic for another day. But um, so thanks to Michael for uh, for answering the question and and spurring a conversation here. So if you have any thoughts. Would like to share, contribute, uh, phone them in. We'll, uh, we'll use them on a future episode. 206-339-ERIC, E-R-I-C. That's pretty easy to remember. Um, 206-339-3742 is, is numerically how that works out. Um, you can find me on, uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, Eric at Ericast.com, E-R-I-C-A-S-T.com, uh, sort of the home base for all of this, which is where you can go, um, to find, uh, Michael's videos and some of the things that we've linked to for this episode. Uh, if you don't want to go directly to michaelmonroemusic.com, but that, that would be Michael's home base. So I would highly recommend you go there. Uh, he's got a concert schedule. So if you're in the, uh, the Minnesota upper Midwest area here and have a chance to go see him, I would, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's a fun experience. Um, and, and you now have heard him. So when you see him in concert, you'll say, I, I remember that. Ha Let me see that technology in action. So, uh, that's going to do it for for, uh, for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, let me know what you think. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Ericast from Ericast.com. Visit us at www.ericast.com.